0: Processes and tools dominate today's Agile discussions, but we are devoted to the individuals and interactions that make it work. From the beginner to the veteran practitioner, we have something for you. Welcome to Agile for Humans. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Agile for Humans. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley. Joining me tonight, an eclectic panel of, uh, of amazing Agilists. We're going to start at my upper left on my screen, Mr. Alan Holub. Alan, how are you, sir? I am fine, thank you. How are you? I am excellent. Thanks for being on tonight. To his right is Tim Ottinger. Tim, welcome back.
1: Hey, Ryan. Always happy to be here. Always fun.
0: Happy to have you back, Tim. Esther Derby is making another appearance on the podcast. Esther, thank you so much for joining us tonight.
2: Happy to be here with my dog, Easy. So if you hear snoring, it's the dog, not me.
0: (laughs) Excellent. We love having Easy on the phone. And of course, top shelf Agile coach, Zach Moniker. Zach, how are you, sir?
3: I am peachy and outstanding and all these positive
0: words. Excellent. So of course, this is the Agile for Humans podcast. This is the podcast about the individuals and interactions that make Agile work. We focus on the people side of Agile, where sometimes perhaps the focus drifts away from. Uh, We're all about helping people find solutions and problem solving. I think this is the the podcast episode that really digs into problem solving. We had something come up in our Slack channel. There is an Agile for Humans Slack channel where if you've been a guest on the show, you get into the channel. It's pretty easy to get admitted. Come on the show and we'll let you in. We have a lot of lively conversations, and one of them, actually, Alan Tiedoff. Alan was talking about trying to create or define a formal framework that could replace Scrum, and so this, of course, mm. kicked off a a very uh, long and interesting conversation. We thought, hey, this is exactly why we have a recommended or recommend a recommended topic uh, channel in Slack so to to bring it to the podcast. So here it is. And it was really uh, Tim and Esther and Zach who really jumped into this topic about the idea that, is it time to replace Scrum? Do we need something with a little more guidance, but a little less process? Uh, or, or from my perspective, is Scrum savable? Can we actually... Or is there even a problem with it? And so that was a conversation that happened on Slack. I think there's some more nuance that a, a more face-to-face conversation could help with. I think I'm going to shift over to Tim... Tim, you've got your hand up. What can we do?
1: So um, there is a little bit of uh, additional historic nuance, too. I had just come off of a rather long Twitter tweet stream, um, and we were talking about the relationship between Agile, which is a whole field of things, and Scrum, which is one way of doing things that is mostly overlapping with Agile. Um, And so by the time this conversation had started in the Agile for Humans, I was already teed up with the how Agile is Scrum uh, and what are the parts that seem to dangle over the edge of what ag- Agility is.
0: Yeah, so Tim was already fired up. Alan threw some fire, or threw some gasoline onto that yeah. fire. Um, and, of course, the rest of us jumped in, given our, our various stances on Scrum. And I think it was, you know, Alan, what are you looking for with this? Because I know... It was, it was you who kind of, you know, Tim was already fired up. You teed this off. What do you think about when you think of a formal framework that would replace Scrum? What would that look like?
4: Um, you know, I'm not sure, which is one of the reasons I brought the question up, is the, the there are a lot of things about Scrum that I don't like, and there are a lot of things in the framework that I don't like, so there's that issue. But I think the biggest thing I don't like about it is that it, there's no way for it to go away inside itself. In other words, any framework that I wrote would have a mechanism in it so you would gradually iterate away from the framework to something that was more suitable for you is i think of scrum as a as baby steps as way to get started right it gives you a kind of prescribed set of stuff that in theory would take somebody from nothing to somewhere at least and it doesn't go further than there and my experience with it is that it doesn't really work in the long term is that, and I don't know any mature shop that's really doing hardcore by the book scrum. Everybody's evolved away from it. Everybody's got their hands up. So <laughs> anyway, that's what got me started is what I was thinking is how do you do a framework that starts out giving people the guidance they know to get started, but then encourages them that, to, to drift away to that, something that works for them.
0: Esther, what do you think about that?
2: Well, I think uh, you know, I, I, it's a very, very interesting point because I think it is fundamentally un-agile to say this is the way to do things and it is codified forever. And Agile, foundationally, was about learning, about adapting, about recognizing the problems that you're facing and doing, doing, uh, creating a practice, having a practice emerge that address the current situation. So I love the idea of a framework that people can. Evolve away from, and I think one of the um, issues I'm seeing in a lot of companies is that uh, the idea that you would actually evolve a process d- doesn't exist. Other than you evolve it to your, uh, you know, back into your uh, original way of thinking, like so you're doing Scrummerfall or something that looks a lot like what you were doing, but with different words. Um, so, what to me is missing is that piece of of continual learning and adaptation and understanding your problem deeply and devising or uh, adapting practices that will help you solve that problem that's what's really missing for me
0: Zach, where were you going?
3: Well, it occurs to me in, in listening to this that if we're if we, it we want to be you know adaptable we want to move away from the framework right that that's some that that would actually be a goal of ours is to continue to iterate and discover you know it occurs to me that well we wouldn't have any specific framework in mind in the first place then or we'd probably just have principles and such that would guide us towards you know any state of being or working at any given time so when Alan said that you know, look at Scrum as baby steps to get started with the Agile and start to discover and realize, I think to myself, well, that sounds great in theory, but if Scrum is really truly baby steps, shouldn't it be fairly easy then for organizations to be able to start there? And I, I mean, your experiences may vary. All of you combined have, or I should say, all of you individually have far deeper you know experience than than I do. But I've yet to see a company that I could say is doing Scrum by the book. So maybe well, that by the
2: by the book is the problem. Why? Why is that the problem? Um, because then you are relying on something that worked somewhere for somebody, but may not address the problems that you're actually facing. You know, on one hand, I think, you know, if you don't understand the principles and you don't understand, um, if you've never seen people working iteratively and collaboratively, then sometimes it does make sense to experience something so that you can actually have a different um, image in your mind of what's possible. But we're, what, 10 years into Scrum, 15 years into Scrum, and still doing it by the book? 20
1: well, nobody's doing it by the Actually, book, though. Right. And that's kind of the whole point yeah. is that nobody's doing that. So the problem with the phrase evolved away from Scrum is it assumes that somebody had approached Scrum. Um, I think that absolutely what you end up with is a set of principles and values. You know, maybe something like, you know, maybe the four values of modern Agile might be a good place for that. Maybe the original values from the Agile Manifesto are a good place to go. Um, but I think that's where you go. I just think that... Scrum is either very, very badly taught, even by certified people, or it's impossible, or it's not worth doing, or there's something else going on here because it's just not happening. The scrum shops aren't scrumming, they never were.
4: Well, that's kind of where <laughs> I got started though, right? Is that if the seems to me that one of the problems is that people don't know what to do. Is the scrum guide is kind of infuriatingly lightweight while at the same time. it's it's got too much in it. You know, I I don't know if I'm being coherent here, but it doesn't doesn't really give anybody any real guidance. And the guidance that it gives you is guidance that tends to move you in the wrong direction.
1: So I'll disagree. I will say that it is just simply too strong for any normal corporation to easily adapt. And in fact, it's so strong that the coaches won't even teach it.
0: Esther, you were trying to get in.
2: Well... I think part of it is that when people are learning a new concept that's foreign, that they haven't experienced it, you know, they haven't even imagined it maybe, and I think this is actually still true for a lot of people who are thinking about collaborative, iterative, incremental software development, um, pe- people always hang stuff onto their existing cognitive frameworks. So if their existing cognitive framework is... Um, we have to understand everything very, very well up front so that we don't have wasteful mistakes. And we have to have people um, working in special specializations because, you know, that's the most efficient way to do things. And you have all of these um, existing concepts. It's very, very natural for people to take this new idea and say, oh, this is how it relates to what I already know. And then you get these um, implementations of Scrum that don't look anything like what i think this group of people would imagine agile looks like
3: do you think Wanna that qu- it, it, do Esther, do you think that it being so the scrum guide being so execution focused i mean i'll just say it that way like it really does talk a lot about what happens within teams and sprints and such do you think that because it's so focused on the you know the 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 teams and what people are doing that it's just easy for that existing you know, experience from like the management structure to just retain the same thought process and just try to have people execute differently. And that's maybe
2: it's flaw. I think that's what happens. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a fault. I think that's what people do. They hang whatever new concept they're learning on for the most part. I mean, there's some exceptions, but for the most part, people um, don't give up their entire mental um framework of how the world works, they hang new stuff onto it and and they're trying to hang scrum onto this other framework Tim you you seem to have a yeah so said
1: I've sat in rooms with people who are in their second and third year of implementing scrum
2: for Excuse some me. definition of scrum right, so here's what happens.
1: They, um, we get together and they're trying to talk about what the different roles in Scrum really mean. And I say, well, why don't we take a look at what it says in the Scrum Guide? And I kid you not, all of these people who were in management positions who had been managing Scrum organizations for two years and managing multiple teams, none of them had ever heard of a Scrum Guide.
2: Or and the no, Agile Manifesto, just, for that matter. Right. So I think the problem is,
1: the people who are doing the training are not doing the training. These people had training. They hired, I won't t- say the name of a company, but they did pay a buttload of money to, for their people to be trained in Agile and Scrum. And I will tell you, it's it's not done. It was not done.
2: Well, and I would say what those people did was they spent two days in a class where um they did not entirely incorporate these ideas into their you know they were not able to shift their existing mental framework there they just heard a bunch of stuff for 2 days that they hung onto their existing framework and so then of course they go back and they do something that looks a lot like what they used to do so i actually think you're you're saying something quite similar to what, to what I was saying. I mean, I have, I have visited organizations where uh, a friend of mine who sometimes shows up on this show, Don Gray said, you know, it seems like someone hit him up alongside the head with the scrum book and then ran away. Well, what,
4: which makes me think back with my original notion of a framework, what if you could define a framework that was more of a journey than a destination where it actually took people through a process That got them into a good place in a way that they actually understood what they were doing as they were moving through that process.
2: Uh, we'd have to we'd have to um, adjust their existing mental idea that there is a uh, one way to be i mean th- i agree that a journey would be super useful and having people figure out how do i apply these principles to my situation how do i uh, evolve my situation so that we have practices that actually address the problems we have
4: you know cuz um, i'm sure a lot of us I have love, done, done i that, love that, right?
2: that idea and and it is in contradiction to what people have been taught for you know 50 years that oh here's the end all and be all this is the this is the method that will save us so i think it's great and i think it's it's outside of most people's frame
4: exactly. right so let's bring it into their frame
2: oh okay let's do <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know xp had practices and things and we taught people how to do them and it was working just fine, except for the fact that it didn't have a marketing machine behind it, though. And so it didn't get the uptake. It's kind of a shame. Yeah. It's a lot of good stuff there.
2: And I have never seen Scrum succeed without solid engineering practices.
4: Well, there's, a, You know, there's and a Sutherland quote. Some, I, I just came across Sutherland himself saying exactly that somewhere. Is that he was saying that he's never seen a high-performing Scrum team that wasn't also doing XP. Which yes. kind of makes you wonder
1: if maybe it wasn't the scrum.
4: <laughs>
3: okay, that's interesting.
2: Zach, you had something you wanted to say.
3: Well, I so I heard us talk a little bit about some of the management influence that you know is exerted on people and teams when it comes to scrum. Um, a good friend of mine, really great person, one of the original mob members at Hunter, Jason Kearney. We were having lunch a couple of years ago, and I remember we were just casually talking and he said, guys, you know what would be weird? What if we could go back in time and if from the start, Scrum was sold, because Tim touched on the selling nature of Scrum, um, the Scrum was sold as a management framework. What do you think would have been different in our world? And I thought that was an interesting question. Um, I don't think that's a solution to call it a management framework, but I was just wondering what your thoughts were on, you know, Esther and Tim and Alan. Given the conversation around management influence on this system, the whole team, you know, and the lack of understanding of what Scrum truly is, what if we started there? What if all along we had talked about positioning it as a place to start with, you know, management and beyond the
4: team? Now, the problem that I have with that is that traditional management and Agile seem to be at odds with each other as far as I'm concerned. You can't really – there is no such thing as an Agile manager, right? The team should be self-managing. So if you start off talking about a management framework, that starts off with people thinking in the wrong terms. They're thinking about management and being managed, and some manager telling people what to do. And you know, I'd like to move people away from that thinking, not towards it.
0: Hey, everybody, Ryan Ripley here. We're gonna take a few seconds here to to learn more about TechWell's upcoming conference, Agile Dev East. Uh, and when we come back, more from Alan, Tim, Zach, and Esther about Agile management and more on Scrum. Looking for a conference that gives you customized learning options to explore Agile and beyond? Attend Agile Dev East, the premier Agile event taking place November 5th through the 10th in Orlando, Florida, covering the latest techniques and topics no matter your level of adoption. Immerse yourself in hot topics such as Agile and Lean Development principles and practices, Scaled Agile Development, Agile Teams and Leadership, Digital Transformation, and more. As an added bonus, the event is co-located with Better Software and DevOps East Conferences. Your one registration automatically gives you access to all three programs. This means you can choose from over 100 learning and networking opportunities to build a customized week of learning that fits you and your organization's specific needs. Be inspired by veteran keynote speakers, in-depth tutorials, topically driven concurrent sessions, networking events, and more to develop skills, supercharge knowledge, and re-energize your career growth. Explore the program at well.tc forward slash agile. Agile for humans listeners use the code agile dev to receive up to $200 off any registration package over $800. Visit well.tc forward slash agile, use the code agile dev, and I hope to see you there.
2: Well, yeah, you know, so since you mentioned managers and management, I think you know we do have a sort of traditional <clears throat> idea again about what management is, and Tim and I were involved in a conversation on Twitter today. Well, you were in part of it too, Alan. yeah um, that you know I, I I think it is far more strategic to think of management as steering the system and and creating enabling conditions for teams. Unfortunately, our history. And our legacy um, frames management as controlling people, controlling processes, and uh, kind of keeping people in line.
4: Right. It seems to me that if you can get people away from that, you've got people a long way towards being more agile. Sure. And that's And that's that's the struggle, right? That's the struggle that I always have is trying to beat down the tell-you-what-to-do-guys And replace that with uh, trust people to do their work, guys, right?
2: I don't want to beat them down. I want to shift their thinking to there is something far more strategic than what we are currently doing. Because when you talk about beating people down and you talk about we don't need managers, you get yourself a group of people who are feeling like our jobs are threatened, our identity is threatened, our meaning is threatened.
4: Yeah, but they are they their back. jobs are threatened. But their jobs not,
2: are threatened. not not <laughs> if it not if they are reframed as your job is steering the system and creating enabling <laughs> conditions. In yeah, that they- case, their job is far far more strategic. If, what, so what I'm, not, I'm not up uh, Go ahead, Zach
3: Well, no, I, I'm, I'm really sorry to interrupt, but I'm saying exactly on, on your point, uh, sir, is what if you actually sold that as, rather than your job being in jeopardy, what if, or it's actually there's more <laughs> potential for your job to be more valuable than it was before How well can we convince them of that? I mean, because okay. I see it that way, right? I see it as an opportunity yeah. to actually make their position even more valuable, not it's, to make
2: it away It's hugely strategic I mean, when you think about it Day-to-day supervision and task assignment is um, boring, not strategic. Seeing the system, creating enable conditions, evolving the system—that's usually strategic.
4: Yeah, but it's a different job. What you're describing well, is not what they do now. It's not their area of expertise. It's a, you're moving sure, them to but, a different but, job, which is
2: sure. fine. Sure, it's going
4: to be equally threatening, don't you think?
2: Their area of expertise, for the most part, wasn't management when they became managers either. It was writing code. I mean, that was, you know, I I was a programmer before I was a manager, and they made me a manager because I was good at programming. You know, so I had to learn some different skills. I can learn different skills.
0: I think part of this too, though, is is the transition from management to leadership. And that's a common theme that's especially going on in the agile community right now. Is how do we get away from how do we get away from the yeah Tim on a swing over there how do we how do we get away from the idea that we're we're managing people as opposed to providing the the leadership uh, and and the support necessary to help them enable them as Esther said and it's it's an inter- interesting shift. I recently wrote about this uh, for Agile Connection. I'll put a link in the show notes to that about just seven lessons that I learned from the manifesto about leadership that I think could help. But this is, this is our struggle, right? So this is, but this is also why I think scrum is working perfectly as designed, right? So scrum is not a framework that is uh, going to solve a single problem. It is a, it is a framework that is going to expose every dysfunction in an organization. And it does that brilliantly. And I think a lot of the scrum, but instances or a lot of these, um, local optimizations or sub optimizations are in response to the dysfunction that the framework has uncovered. And is that really sure. the fault of the framework or is that the inability or unwillingness or, or or some other action like that of, of the team's implementing scrub, you know, their inability to address those things. I think so, it is of-
1: there's a, there's, there's a real problem here. Okay. Um, <laughs> that I really want to touch here. <laughs> uh, So you've got these people who are taking on Scrum as a framework. They're going to be doing Scrum. And what you find there is that the way they're taught and what they're doing and the way they're doing what they're taught doesn't include any of these agile ideas of management. How does that happen that, that people who are certified and trained and out there teaching these things are giving people this crippled um, half-dead version. It's almost like they're trying to inoculate the world against Scrum. You get a weakened and dead version that you can easily fight down so that you can resist the real thing when it comes along.
2: It's like That's, a vaccine.
1: It's a vaccine. That's what I worry about with uh, Scrum versus Agile, is often the Scrum butt moves further into the Agile space than the Scrum did. And then sometimes the Scrum butt is moving out of the Agile space. And if somebody doesn't understand yeah then they can't say, this is a good Scrum but versus this is a crappy Scrum but versus, by the way, you've never been Scrum to begin with.
4: Well, I think Maybe that addresses Ryan's that addresses Ryan's issue, right? Is that Scrum might uncover the dysfunction, but it doesn't give you any help in fixing it. And I don't see much value in a framework that doesn't help you move forward. Oh, I, no. I I, I'm not saying it do oh, that. I actually so, I think... think
0: because I, so I actually, I think it... It enables, I think, the fact that it brings a dysfunction to light. So back to Esther's point of mental models and how deeply rooted they are. So these are people that are, everyone that I've encountered that's trying to do Scrum or make a transition to Agile, and prior to that, they were doing things that they thought were right, and they thought that they were doing the best that they could in the environment that they were in. And so just the fact that we're uncovering a way to deliver software a little better and and to show them the, the world of possible. I think that's a win for the Scrum framework. That's an, That's an enlightening moment. So just the fact that we created that opportunity, I think is a big part and a big reason for the existence of the framework in the first place.
1: Here's my problem is two part. Number one, I don't think that Scrum brought it up. I don't think they've ever tried Scrum. I think that the dead version they've received has ratified, supported, and certified the way they are doing things. So they don't have to change it.
0: Yeah, but Tim, I think the problems you're bringing up are going to be inherent with any framework we try. I mean, even with modern Agile, I mean, you have people coming at you every day on Twitter about the make people awesome part. And then that's coercion and force, and that's not the right way to be. And then they that gets twisted into a, a modern Agile, but... It gets spun out on Twitter to, uh, to, to many different in many different branches. I think the problem you're highlighting is human nature and, and the fact that that we're, we're bringing I, up problems that we're trying to get bring them into focus. You know, that's going to happen regardless of framework, though.
4: No, I don't think so. As the problem is that the framework is giving you a destination and not helping you get there. So people start flailing around because they don't know how to, how to move. They don't know how to get from point A to point B. If all that you have is the destination and you've never seen anything like that before, you're going to get lost, right? There's, there's no way to figure out how to move. Isn't that what well, the
3: certified people are there for? Isn't that what a CSM is supposed to be? What about people like us, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. well, I hate that, right, in the CSM thing, right? The whole CSM notion that you can get some guy who comes in and does a two-day class and suddenly you're agile, you know, it's crazy. But
2: but it goes back to the idea that there is an answer that you can buy off the shelf and just plug in to solve your problems. What we're not teaching people is how do you observe your organization? How do you understand your problems in a holistic way? How do you help practices and methods emerge that will help you solve your problems so that you can deliver better uh, products and services to your customers? I mean, that Scrum did that for some people at some point in time in some um, context. I mean, it's just like we have all these people talking about the Spotify model. I mean, Spotify model, there is no Spotify model. It was something that evolved to solve particular problems in a particular context. And that's what we're not teaching people. Um, And we're not teaching people that in some ways because we have been trained. We as an industry, we, as a you know, business culture, have been trained to look for the run one right answer for a very, very, very long time, and and it's going to take time to shift that.
4: Yeah, but can't you have a framework that says that?
2: I well, it would explicitly? be great. I think Ex- it would be great. I mean, I said that earlier. I think I yeah. think it would be great. But I think that is a, a, a stretch given our legacy. So what if we
3: shifted? The CSM, right? And we took all yeah. this stuff we're talking about and and made the certified Scrum Master go away and replaced it with CSM for Certified Scrum Manager. It <laughs> just fixed Scrum? I think. I think. Did I just fix Scrum? <laughs> so we yeah. have the podcast. In. That's <laughs> actually an
1: interesting question because um, we got different ideas about what management is. Yeah. Um, and you know whatever it is we do. This listening, looking, understanding, that can be taught. It would be yeah. cool if that's what people really learn. So I, I wanted to put another woo-woo woo to the plus one hundred under Esther's comment. Um, but so but certified Scrum Manager, sort of any any agile manager, what do they actually do? What should they be actually doing? That's a teachable set of skills. That's probably more important Absolutely. than anything underneath it all. And actually not just them, but team members. Because it's yeah. a tall order. It's a tall order. Um,
2: well, I think putting it all on managers is is abusive, right? Yes. I mean, it, it's it's very paternalistic. The managers have to have all the answers and solve all the problems so that everybody else is, you know, doesn't have to work at looking at understanding those and understanding how they might contribute. Right? I mean, on one level, because of the power managers have, I think they have a greater responsibility if they had the skills to see the system and figure out how to shift the system, but it's not widely taught.
4: Yeah, but it's not widely taught because things like the scrum guide don't even hint that you need to be teaching. It.
2: Well, I think it know, is people far, are looking at that. They're looking is,
4: at that for guidance, right? But they're not getting the right. Far,
2: guidance. far broader than the scrum guide. I mean, this is a, this is a legacy we have with management I mean, we have a legacy of thinking about organizations as as vast machines. And if we just design, if we just, you know, deconstruct the work into its component parts and we design jobs, you know, that uh, address all of these little pieces and the pieces work together, They everybody does their job, it will all work. I mean, this is a legacy of thinking about organizations and thinking about managers, management that is, you know, Far, far longer than Agile.
0: So right? Esther, I don't, so, I, I don't think many people realize, um, or perhaps I was, maybe I was in the dark on this, and everyone else knew this. But I mean, you were heavily involved in the formation of, of Scrum Alliance and in the in the early days of Scrum. Were these conversations happening then? I mean, was management because management has been left out of the Scrum Guide. I mean, that, that's a topic that's just scrum. is The scrum guide is essentially silent on. And so that's not a, I'm not judging that. I'm just saying that that's kind yeah. of, that's a fact there. What Were these discussions happening and that was a conscious decision or was it intentful or is there, there's something else to this?
2: Well, I was around for part of the, uh, you know, the origins of scrum and things didn't go quite the way I thought they would. <laughs> um, <sighs> Um, you know, as they, as they sometimes do, I mean, good things and bad things come out, no matter what, what the intentions were. Um, I think one of, I mean, there were various voices in that conversation, and there were some voices that just were anti-management. You know, we don't need no stinky managers, which I think actually was not helpful. Um because that just creates a whole, you know, whole matter of resistance. Um, but I, I also can't fault people for not seeing the holistic issue. I mean, these are these are folks who were working in software and found something that worked for them in software, right? I don't know if I answered your question. I think I didn't.
0: No, you're you're fine. I, I, I just find. You know these conversations are interesting it's easy to i think scrum has uh the King of the hill syndrome in to an extent you know ninety percent is is around the 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 percentage that's reported on all of the agile surveys about you know ninety percent of everyone that claims to be doing some form of agile they're claiming that they're doing scrum It's practiced by tens of millions of practitioners daily worldwide um, It is the king of the hill and and so it is easy to to come at it as Scrum is a failure, Scrum has done these these terrible things, I still think it's successful. I still think it's brought a lot of wins to the industry now. Now, are there improvements that could be made? Absolutely. But I haven't heard anything that we've talked about, including Modern Agile, that does not fit within this very loose framework. I've heard nothing that couldn't be done within the Scrum framework.
4: Well, there's a lot of things in the Scrum framework that I don't like at all that I I don't think are helping people. PO, the whole notion of a PO, I really hate. You know, it seems that it encourages people to not talk to your actual customers by putting this this, uh, surrogate in between you and the customers. And the PO is often representing the business, not the customers. You know, it seems to me that all software projects are going to fail if they're not making the customers better people, if they're not helping them solve real problems. And it takes an exceptional PO to actually do that you know so i you know you say talk about 90% of the shops out there calling themselves scrum shops well yeah but whether they actually are scrum shops is another matter entirely and uh, so you see, i i at least see a lot of dysfunction surrounding the scrum roles and in the case of something like a po i don't even know that the role belongs there you know the same with an sm is that the, there's a lot of coaching stuff going on in the sm role but i would rather just see a coach and get rid of this whole notion of the scrum master as somebody who's supposed to be orchestrating the so, meetings and that so, kind
2: of stuff. So just looking at the um, product owner role, in many organizations, that was an extremely positive evolution.
4: Right. It's Having a step in the right direction. That's what I said. Baby steps,
2: right? <laughs> but it's been, it's been ossified. And that's the issue that I think, or uh, at least for me, it keeps coming back to. It's become ossified. Yeah. That was yeah, but, exactly
3: the point. I wanted to make was, yep. I mean, Alan, correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. But like, does the Scrum Guide not describe, I mean, does the Scrum Guide describe a product owner as somebody who is really solely only looking out on behalf of whatever the business is asking of any time, or is it asking for trying to be the lens and the balance between team and customer collaboration, maybe even being the catalyst that helps narrow the distance between customer and team, maybe even being the driving force for making that that happen. That's what I get when I read the Scrum Guide and the description of the product owner. Now I get it that there's no guidance in saying how do we, you know, create that or make that that happen. But you know, product owners behaving badly, so to speak. I I, I don't know if I would say I think that that's you know a problem of Scrum or 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 an issue that that, that I have with it. Instead, I kind of see it. Well, I guess I I I, I see it more like. Um, guidelines right that have been offered to help us understand what business you know mechanisms help us understand what business value could be and to experiment and explore that in the context of our own system we've just kind of i don't know tried to take existing mindsets like um like esther has talked about and just apply them to what we have today and say see we have product owners, and i get that that isn't you know very helpful but i don't know if i could really call that a fault of scrum does that make sense
2: I think the yeah, it, makes, it makes sense to me. I mean, I just, I just worked with a group of people trying to move them off during a job description for a product owner that was essentially a backlog administrator because that's kind of their, where they're coming from, right? And the culture can only do what the culture can do. It can evolve to the next three steps. It can't make a leap of 20 miles. And I think that's one of the problems. You know, Scrum assumes that people can make a leap of 20 miles. They can't you know yeah, but they you,
4: can you know even then though i th- still maybe i've got product product owner phobia or something but the mm-hmm. the from my point of view from a developer point of view the way the the thing that lets you get rid of an upfront design is that when the questions that would normally come up ahead of an upfront devo- design process come up during development there's somebody in the room who can answer the question is that you, otherwise you've got to be doing stuff upfront and it's rare for me to see a product owner that can do that, who can actually come up with a definitive answer to a question that you need an answer for in order to move ahead with the programming. Mm-hmm. And when you get it wrong, the consequences of getting it wrong are enormous. As I've I've mm-hmm. been um, uh, fiddling around lately with putting slides together describing the cost of delay. And um, When you talk about a team with six or eight people in it and you get a week's worth of delay because you got the wrong answer for a question, we're up in the $200,000, $250,000 range in terms of the cost of that. Um, both in terms of direct costs and in terms of the product being delivered a week late, and it's so there's a this huge business consequence for not getting a right answer to a question, and I'm not si- I read through the Scrum Guide and I don't see that I don't see that even mentioned in the Scrum Guide and it seems to me that's a critical part of what a PO has to do, so that seems to me to be a flaw in the framework. Right? Is that it's it's we ha-
2: well, so on one hand, it sounds like you want the framework to be extremely dis. Descriptive and prescriptive, and yet it cannot be because it cannot anticipate every context.
4: Right, but I'm so, not seeing it even allowing for the way of working that I'm describing. Is yeah, that but, people, well, when I bring this up in a shop, people I, I, are shocked.
2: I, right? I don't think it's prohibited. I mean, I, I advocate for people understanding their customer deeply, and for development teams meeting with their customers, seeing their customers working in whatever way they can do that, the more the better. You know, within limits, there are probably some limits to that, but I don't see that as being prohibited.
0: But I also see in the Scrum Guide where it, this is explicitly called out: uh, optimizing the value of the work that the development team performs. Like that is a that is a an explicitly called out function of a product owner. I mean, that means that they have to be able to make the right decisions about the product. They need to be informed about the customer. Many times, I've seen the customer actually is the product owner, and so especially right. in environments where I've been in. Either currently or in the past, very very talented people fill the, these roles, and they they actually are. I focus them in as a coach on optimizing the value. Now, perhaps other coaches, you know, pretend to to perhaps they think that hey, we need a, a beautiful backlog, and that's how you become a good product owner. But I actually think in the Scrum Guide when they say optimizing the value of the work that de- the development team performs, Alan, I think they're hitting on on your your concern
4: directly. Right, but they don't get that. If people don't get that, then there's something wrong with the. Sky, yeah, but the, the guide, problem with the anything
0: framework. agile, the problem with anything agile or Scrum is that you also have to engage your brain, and perhaps maybe that <laughs> should be the the opening line of of the manifesto because I don't I don't fault a framework for when people read that and then they ignore it. You know, I,
2: so so now I get to tell you the story of the uh, uh, it's one of the most astonishing scrum trainers stories in my entire repertoire that I was talking to this woman who who was complaining about this class she had given because people were asking all these questions and they were challenging her. And I said, that sounds great. They were thinking, they were wrestling with the ideas. They were trying to figure it out. And she said, I want people to drink the (laughs) Kool-Aid. This is exactly what we don't want. We don't want people to drink the Kool-Aid. We want people to be engaged in thinking. Right and you know uh, you know when <laughs> when something becomes sort of a big money making behemoth that flies out the door.
1: You know, um, drinking the Kool Aid is one of those wonderful phrases we have that that it means to die. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I, it's like, I want you to drink the Kool Aid. That means I want to. I want you to be poisoned and die. And um, the other one that's <laughs> like that is I wish you were more Type A. Because Type A came up yeah. a study of what kinds of people die from strokes and heart attacks early in life. That's what Type A means. Type B are people who live. So I want you to do more Type A, and I want you to drink the Kool-Aid or both ways of saying drop dip.
2: What, what I did realize is a lot of people don't understand the origin of that phrase anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. but Well, be that as it may, looking at yeah. the, at the Scrum Guide, the product owner really is – chief backlog groomer and if you look at it the power they have described here is they reorder the backlog they maximize value by the ordering of backlog items and they and the scrum master are not allowed to tell the team what to do
0: that's not i don't i don't believe that's accurate i I don't uh, think that's a fair representation of those five bullet points
4: well that's sure the way that most people who do scrum treat it right people read the strong guide and that's what they come away with here you go
1: The product owner is the sole person responsible for managing the product backlog. Backlog management improves clearly expressing the items, ordering the items, optimizing the value of the work the team performs. Now, notice it's the value of the work, not the way the team performs it. Correct. Ensuring the product backlog is visible, transparent, clear to all, and ensuring the development team understands the item in the product backlog. Nowhere in here are they given any ability to twiddle or mess with how the team works. It does say... Um, no one is allowed to tell a development team to work from a different set of requirements, and the de- development team isn't allowed to act on what anyone else says. Now, the development team, it says, no one, not even the scrum master, tells the development team how to turn product backlog into increments of functionality. Straight out, the product and the PO owns the backlog grooming, the ordering of the backlog items, and the explanation. Cannot tell the team how to do their work. The pro- team can't
0: listen to anyone else. The product owner owns the vision and the, and, and the backlog and the, the, the customer collaboration, all those things related to product. The development team owns how they're going to turn that vision into working software. I, I totally agree with that.
1: Okay. Now, with that in mind, there are things that a team needs they cannot get from a scrum master or a product owner. And when we get down to the five T's, You've got to have a manager. So. Um, what are
2: the five T's, Tim?
1: Oh, I, I keep forgetting. <laughs> not everybody reads everything I write. Uh, <laughs> so the five T's are time, schedule, talent, the staffing and, and training, right? Time, talent, target, um, which is, you know, what is the product we're, project we're going to do next or what is the product we're going to invest in, Okay. Um, time, talent, target, treasury, the ability to spend money rests in the hands of people who are given financial responsibility to spend that money. It's usually not a PO, although a PO can make a case. Somebody else is spending the money. And the last one is to deal in issues of trust, which is basically to give permission to individuals and to teams and to groups to, to give them their space to do their work. Those are things you're not going to get from a PO because a PO is subject to them the same way everyone else is.
2: And I would Horrible. describe those as enabling conditions. Yes, yeah, people have the means to do their work, which is a, I think a core man. One of the truly valuable things that managers can do is pay pay attention to those things.
4: Yeah, there's there's a difference between management going on and a manager doing it. In other words, I, I I won't argue that we need to do all those things, but I don't need the I don't think that we need one person who's doing them all. Is the you know I I all the things we just said about Spotify, but one of the things that Spotify does is that there's a big pile of money, and when the team needs something, they just buy it,
1: and Somebody they don't ask. Granted them the permission right? to do so, though that was an agreement made They're, at some right. point yeah. in the hierarchy, right? Right.
4: So right. So there's,
2: so th- and there's some constraints around it.
4: Right, right, but the stuff. team itself is doing the work that a manager would normally be doing as part they're, of that process. They're right? given so,
1: some budget to you. So this is basically goes back to uh, give them the environment and support they need and trust them to get the job done.
2: Right. So, so now, taught, I, now I have another story because I, I have a billion stories. You guys know that, right? <laughs> so I talked this, to this. It was actually not in our industry. It was it was in an oil and gas Industry and and they decided that they, they were moving to self managing teams. They were going to reduce, um, you know, layers of management. You know, they weren't going to have these managers telling people what to do. So teams are going to be making all these decisions, and they had control of their budget, and they had control of their schedule, and they had, you know, had they had all of these things, and they thought, oh, we have. Fully self-managing teams. This has got to be wonderful. And then they noticed that people were quitting, and they were going off to work for these other companies that had these traditional top-down command and control management structures. And it was like, well, why are you going to work there? It's like, well, I, I, I didn't, I didn't pick this career so that I could balance. Budgets. I picked this career because I really like working outside on a rig, you know. So, I mean, I, there's a, there are some differences in domains here, and I'm not sure that if pushing all the decisions down to the team is. Um, The point where we want to be. I no, certainly the, think what? many decisions should be with the team, so that they have some autonomy and they can they have some control of their own fate. So they they are not, um, you know, just order takers. So they they're not um, treated as, you know you know, the hands without the head.
4: The team can allocate tasks to somebody who they want to do the task in order to take the workload off of the rest of the team. But that's different than having a manager imposed from some external hierarchy.
2: Oh, yeah, that's true.
4: And self-managing doesn't mean that everybody has to do everything.
3: So can I make an observation?
2: Yes. No,
4: No, you can't. (laughs) Denied. (laughs)
2: i say yes yeah
3: so what i've seen and heard and i could be completely wrong like i normally am but
2: but we've
3: brought up complaints and criticisms of scrum and our dialogue has proceeded to then go into what sound to me more like systemic causes and reasons that have nothing to do with the roles of scrum Mm the practices of scrum the Mm -hmm. scrum guide that Mm -hmm. so what's really going on here Like if we if we got into this conversation to explore kind of the state of Scrum, maybe even a framework that gets us maybe to a better place of taking baby steps to organizations starting to learn with Agile. But yet every time we attack this framework, we seem to get into things that really have nothing to do with Scrum. What's really going on? Like What's holding it back?
1: So here's what I would say is that it is Scrum as she is practiced is not working for most people. We recently had a report on how much the CIOs don't don't use it, don't agree. They believe that it has been um, disproven or devalued, agile,
3: right? not scrum agile. Well, right. most people both if both. you read what
1: they're saying, they're talking about scrum. But most I heard don't know there's a difference.
3: But I heard a say at the start of the podcast where we all kind of unanimously agreed and laughed. No one's actually doing scrum, though. So how can we make that statement?
1: Well that's what people believe. So what I'm saying is not <laughs> that it is absolutely true. What I'm saying is we are not serving the, the scrum community, the people adopting scrum are not being served. well, the training is poor, the understanding of the information that is there is poor. Um, we haven't even really touched on met very much on the fact that the practices that are described, I think we've gone past several of them. Um, the things that aren't described are pretty crucial. So I'm saying that, a, people can't do it, and B, if they did, it might not be that good.
2: So once again, we're, we're applying a, um, uh, a framework that assumes certain conditions about uh, the way work flows in, the way teams are constructed, the way management exists, all of these things. <laughs> But they ignores the complexity of the situation, so it's just another case of trying to impl- uh, 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 apply a um, apply a solution designed for one domain in another domain. You know, the, yeah. what 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 Scrum does is it 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 chunks things into small enough pieces that they're they're no longer um, complex, they're complicated, and we're looking at a whole complex domain. And of course, something that is useful and complicated isn't going to solve that. So I, my dog's I, snoring. Sorry. <laughs> I agree with that completely.
3: Um, but and and but isn't because there's a, <coughs> a challenge. I want to get your input on this idea. So um, Jeff Watts uh, wrote a book called Scrum Mastery. And so for listeners who mm-hmm. really want to get into, you know, they want to be Scrum Masters. Uh, maybe you're just starting to become a Scrum master. For listeners, that's a great book because it gives you wonderful scenarios that you can consider how to behave and such. So, um, but in in Jeff's book, he had a statement that said, "So while doing, while actually, you know, executing Scrum to the guide is not the goal." But, and I'm paraphrasing here, but while it's not the goal, companies that made the decision to use Scrum probably had some reason in mind to do so. Um, they probably believed that by going to Scrum. They, they would increase their success, right? For lack of a better vision statement, if we go and we start using Scrum, we'll be more successful. So with that in mind, perhaps measuring yourself to how well you are doing Scrum to the book, maybe that could be a fairly useful proxy for success. So while Esther, I agree that we're trying to fit a framework Across many domains and complex, mm-hmm. you know, the, the nuances of organizations and even products, right? State of their products and what, 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 even market cadence type of, uh, you know, things to to consider, but. If we agree that we're not really doing it, I, what do you think about that statement? That maybe you're just measuring yourself against how well you're doing it to the book and and visualizing that, trying to
2: – I don't think the point is how well are you doing it to the book. I think it is how well are you solving your problems? Right. How well are you delivering value to your customers? How well are you engaging your employees? I'm doing doing it to the book is the uh-huh. wrong metric in my view. It's a very harmful metric.
4: Which brings us back to why do we need a framework, right? Because every context is going to require a different way of doing things. So it seems like Scrum as a framework doesn't accomplish anything if our goal is to be effective as a unique organization with unique needs and unique requirements in a unique context.
2: I think what's useful about it is saying here's one way to look at delivering software in an iterative and incremental way. And here's this one This is one of the tools right. I, or one of the methods I have to organize my software projects. I could also organize them in this way. I could you know, I could do it waterfall. That works for some things, but Y2K, for example, I could organize them in another way. You know, this is one of the methods at my disposal. It's when it becomes the method at my disposal that it I think fails us as an industry
0: well and and i want to try to help zach here just a little bit because i i I agree that measuring yourself against the adherence to the scrum guide is um perhaps a dubious metric but whenever you make a decision to violate or to move away from the scrum guide that could be an inflection point so I, i truly believe a lot of the issues we're seeing or zach when you're saying that you know if scrum's not real the real problem what is I really think that this framework, the value of it, at least for me, is that it forces you to look into the abyss. The, the abyss looks back and, and you either are going to uh, run away from what you see or you're going to address it. Right. And, and that's really what this framework does. And what this framework can actually help people do then is, is to make the optimizations they need within that framework to improve their world of work until they get to the point at that two, three, four year mark, which is what I really believe it takes for teams to get really, really good at playing the game of scrum. Uh, Once they get to that point, they're in that, that re, you know, if you buy into Shu Ha Re, they're in that re state anyways, that, that their optimizations are going to continue and, and and go beyond just like a, a Spotify model, right? The Spotify model is a point in time. They're well past that now. 've they've, they've learned over a number of years how to do that, and I feel the same thing is true of Scrum. It is one way to do iterative, incremental software development, like Esther said. It's one way to, to teach us to break our work down into small pieces. It's one way to, to tell us how to to collaboratively work with business and developers uh, to actually deliver something, which is honestly a miracle in and of itself in most organizations. And then it's going to show us, and then it's going to show us. The, the dysfunction in our organization and how we could get a little better. And I think most to most orgs, that's both a huge win and also ridiculously scary. And
3: so, I think we actually I hit wanna, the inevitable I'll, avoidance principle more yes. often. So you tee yeah. That yeah, we
1: can tee that up. I'm not going to hit it just yet. I'm going to say this. When I say, that's not Scrum, I want to make sure people understand what I'm saying because this has been confusion before. I'll say, you know, what you're doing there isn't Scrum and they'll say, oh, you are a book reading purist and are trying to measure me against the scrum guide and how dare you hold me to a standard that I did not accept and did not ask you to hold me to, blah, blah, blah. You're saying that it's not good if it's not scrum and I'm saying, no, 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 no. As a matter of simple classification, if you tell me that you're an electronic engineer but you've never had any training in that and what you actually do is scoop ice cream and you say, yeah, I'm an electrical engineer. But I'm gonna say there's kind of bullshit there. That's not what you're doing. What you're calling yourself is not remotely what you are. <laughs>
2: so so why is why is it important that we call them on that? Why can't we just say, hmm, that's interesting. What problem are you trying to solve? Is is that, what you're doing solving the problem?
4: Because because oh, that, gets us, that gets us that gets us in the whole agile slash scrum has failed problem. Right? In other words, the if what you're doing is not scrum. And what you're doing is failing, and then you say Scrum failed, and I'm proof of that. Then we haven't accomplished anything useful.
1: That was my art. That was my article years ago. If you guys remember that one. <laughs> yeah, but
2: I don't think we have to. I don't think we have to say, "Oh, you failed at Scrum, and Scrum failed you, and therefore Scrum is a failure." Right? You know, when someone. But says, people are saying this that. Is, well, and as people <laughs> who have the possibility of in injecting some other way of doing things, we have the possibility to say, oh, that's really interesting. Why are you Why are you doing it that way? Why did you think it would help? What problem are you trying to solve? Is it solving that problem? Well, you know, describe the problem. Describe how this makes it different. Does it help? Does it not? And that's, I think, in many ways what you're hoping for, is that we help people think about what they're doing. And help them think about how can we evolve something that actually moves us in the direction we want to go, rather than following something, you know, just by rote repetition or by following, you know, a series right, of steps in the what, book, what you're describing.
4: What you're describing, though, is being agile, which is different than Scrum, right? In other words, in a sense, what you're saying is that Scrum has failed. And that no. we have to talk about I, agility I, rather than talking about Scrum. And I agree with that. But the I, I think it's important to make a distinction between those two things, between agility and Scrum. They're not the same thing. And the the I think the more agile you get, the less like Scrum what you're doing is. And I know that part of this is
1: somebody's wrong on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, no. Oh, no. Tell me this true.
1: There, there's just a little bit of that in there. But then, when you see, you know, you go to a conference and you see somebody go, "Oh, look at this! We've certified 50,000 more people, and we've done 20,000 more transitions." And when you've gone to those places and worked with those people, I don't argue with their certification numbers, but their transition numbers are totally wrong. In fact, I think that a lot of organizations that report 300 transitions last year are actually reporting 300 gigs that failed to bring about any transformation. And that that just irritates me. Yes, for the people who are saying that, you know, for people who are in the transition, who've been caught up in this or are not getting the value, not getting what they bought, not even can't recognize themselves in a description of a development team, I feel like they have been done a disservice. And maybe the current state of Scrum is that it's really not serving people in the way it's intended to. It's not being taught correctly. People don't understand what it is. And people are not using it to reveal their problems because they're not using it at all,
2: it's being marketed as some kind of silver bullet. You know, you'll you'll have two hundred percent productivity. Blah, you know, and I I think this is in some ways a very predictable trajectory when you go after mass market and when you go after we are the solution. You know, I mean, it's predictable. Yeah,
4: but I you know I think that's one of the reasons that it's worthwhile to abandon the notion of Scrum. Because it's come to mean something that's not useful. And that the, the I, I don't see the value, in other words, of talking mm. about doing Scrum or going Scrum or whatever if what you're doing is not Scrum, right? Is that we should be, it brings me back that notion of wanting another framework. Something that's that gets us out of that, right? There's It's a this morass of misinformation and people not doing what they should be doing and that kind of stuff. And the problem is there's a vocabulary associated with that that's an accepted vocabulary and it's driving people in the wrong direction. Can I tell you the best thing ever in the
1: entire Scrum Guide? The description yes. of a development team is tremendous. It's beautiful. It's great. It's powerful. It says... They're self-organizing, no one can tell them how to do their work, they're cross-functional, all the skills necessary to create the product, um, no titles other than the developer, regardless of the work being done, no, no seniors, no juniors, no lead this, no lead that, no sub-teams whatsoever, by the way, um, no titles, there are no exceptions to this rule, no sub-teams. No exceptions to this rule. There's not a web team and a back-end team and a UX team. You're all together doing the whole work, everybody that's necessary. Beautiful stuff. Individual development team members may have specialized skills and areas of focus. But, and here's the best line, accountability belongs to the development team as a whole, meaning that the team is an atomic unit. You assign to the team, accountability goes to the team, the team develops, and nobody outside the team, just above here it says, um, only members of the development team create the increment. That's beautiful stuff, man. I wish, of all the things people ignore in the Scrum <laughs> Guide, this is the one section they should read, memorize, and live in the fullest.
2: Well, but that 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 relies on some other enabling conditions, like yeah. having work flow into the team in a coherent way. I mean, I got a call once for somebody who said, "Oh, my." Scrum team isn't working. I started asking questions. They haven't delivered anything in two years. They've just been arguing. It's like two years they've been arguing. Somebody needs to get in there and tell them, here's what you need to be working on. Maybe not how to do it, but so those teams exist in a context and part of that context is how work flows into that team. I want to go back
3: to something that Alan said where, and, and Alan, correct me exact I'm <laughs> trying to paraphrase here, but it was that, you know, agile is, scrum is not agile. So if I'm, you know, if I am doing scrum, I'm not agile. Right. And I've never liked the, the phrase of, you know, this is agile or that's not agile, but it's like, if I was doing scrum really, really, really well, like I was actually, I, I don't, again, the goal not being by the book, but if I was really adhering to the book, I mean, we, we actually had an organization that operated in a way that could allow us to do scr- the, Scrum as it's designed. Would we not be agile?
4: Would sure. We not be I, agile? I, I, I didn't, I don't think I said that Scrum wasn't agile. What I said is that Scrum and Ag, Scrum equal, equal agile is not true in the yeah. sense that agile is a big thing. Scrum is a small thing and Scrum can certainly fit into the umbrella of agile just fine if it's done right. The problem that I have is when people start thinking that Scrum and Agile are the same thing. In order to be Agile, you have to have a product owner, right? That's nonsense. And the the I agree with that.
3: And all the misinformation that's out there. You know, you'd said that you know Scrum is basically so subverted now. With and I agree, right? I mean, we we're just taking it all of it as factual Scrum. All these horrible experiences. People are writing articles about as soon as they went to Scrum, the stock dropped by ninety percent. You know, all this garbage, Right. right? Right. Um, But since I've been counting since 2009, it's on a secular pattern. It's uh, it's in cycles every year. Annually, there's a new article that gets posted about how agile is dead. Right. right? So there's so much misinformation about agile, too. So why don't we just throw out agile then, too? You know,
4: why? I'd love to. They're trying to save it. I'd love to. I'd love to have another word. I want another word. Right. The problem well, with another I, I word is, is that solving. the other word is going to get perverted around to right, me.
2: Right, exactly. The same, right, the so, same way that
4: Agile has been perverted. So
2: right? we we need to teach yeah. we need to focus on helping people to think seriously and systemically about their organizations and their issues, rather than handing them here's this thing, if you just do this, it will solve your problems.
4: Yeah. No, I agree with that.
2: Yeah. Okay. We all I think we're thinking I I think we're all
4: in violent agreement here. (laughs) So
1: so mostly back in the days when I was becoming uh, invited to to speak to conferences about take back Agile more, I thought to be fair, I should go and and collect up all of the counter arguments about it that I can. And I read every article for about seven or eight or ten pages back that I could find, you know, in the Google searches and the people would refer to me about went to Reddit, went to you know any place where people would complain about it. And I read the articles about how Agile is bad and how Agile sucks and how horrible Agile is. Every single one was a poor implementation of Scrum. I did not see yeah. one article about bad XP or about bad Crystal or about bad any other kind. They were all Scrum articles. I'm not saying that Scrum is bad, but I'm saying that bad Scrum is bad And the kind of agile people hate is almost, as far as I can tell, universally bad Scrum. Yeah, I agree.
3: It's the Uh,
2: because it because it it kind of owns it owns the airspace.
4: Yeah, but it's more than that because Scrum has become bad Scrum. In other words, I I I hear Ryan's argument about how Scrum is is at least in theory a good way to go, but I don't see anybody doing it. So Scrum, Scrum to me is not what it says in the Scrum Guide. Scrum is what people are actually doing and calling Scrum, and that doesn't have much value as far as I'm concerned.
2: So I, I feel was, I feel like we've gone in a circle at this point. So the, let me ask this question
3: then, not a circle. So you you talked about a new framework and you said I have a problem with the product owner and stuff. Alan, what would be, in your opinion, what would be the one thing that you would take away, add, change, or whatever to Scrum to improve the? I don't want to say adoption, but just to improve people and organizations' ability to use Scrum. It's rigidity.
4: It's kind of, again, we're kind of going circular here. But if you look at the section of the Scrum Guide, I don't have it in front of me, but if you look at the section on retrospectives, um, a retrospective, from my point of view, should really be a Kaizen process, which means that if you think about what you're doing and what's in the way is, is something that is part of the Scrum Guide, then it should go but you look at the scrum guide retrospective section and it says that's the one thing you can't change it still has to be with within the bounds that are set by the scrum guide any changes that you make and that kind of prescription is something that i really don't like i think it really should go is that the scrum makes the the fallacy of scrum i think is that there is a way to do things and i don't believe that right so i the, and that's the problem that i have with it is that it is prescriptive is oh, that, we had someone here who was really
1: knowledgeable about retrospectives. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. What,
2: if we, what if we did?
0: Yeah. You know that uh, the, the retro topic is probably a, a great future podcast. I think at this point though, not to be too prescriptive, but I think we've reached our time box for the night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, um, we're we're kind of in a circle.
0: Yeah, we are getting we're getting to where we're kind of circling back to the previous discussion. I think it's um I think the journey was interesting. I think we all were able to, to get our points out, which is, you know, for five opinionated bright people, that's hard to do. What? Oh, all of you. So I think we all did a nice job, um, you know, managing this conversation. Uh, and, and it is interesting. Scrum is, is the, the 300 pound gorilla in the room. You know, it is the, it is the the prime topic of in the agile space. It's, uh, there's a lot of bad scrum out there. I think there's a lot of good scrum out there. I think there's definitely room for improvement uh in the way that we train, teach, coach and, and perform uh, the game of scrum. And I hope that we uh are able to to work collaboratively and and valuably uh in a direction of improving that that world of work because scrum is here and and it's not going away. And and if it will either um, be something that teams embrace to, to do amazing things with, or it will be the, to the detriment of a team. And I hope that we find ways to uh, improve the world of work and, and make sure that uh, more teams are, are helped than harmed. Uh, and that would be my wish. And I hope that uh, I, I, and I, I doubt any of you would disagree with that. So, but I do want to thank all of you uh, for, for having this conversation. I think it is fun to, to bat around the ideas of scrum um, And I I hope the the listeners enjoyed it. You know, at this point of the show, I think all of you are veterans of the show by now. And so this is uh, the time where you're free to give your final thoughts on the topic, uh, promote anything that you have going on, anything that you want to get in front of the listeners. Uh, The floor is yours, and I'd like to start with Esther. Or someone else. (laughs)
2: Uh, Well, what I've got going on is... um Don Gray and I continue to work with our Coaching Beyond the Team workshop, which is for people who want to influence the system outside the team. It's all about how to uh, understand, how to reason about, how to depict your system in a way that can engage other people in problem solving. And we've also picked up the mantle of uh, PSL. So we are going to be doing a PSL class, Don and I are, in um November. Unfortunately, Jerry's health isn't uh, good enough to be there. So he's asked Don and me to carry on.
1: Can you expand the Uh, acronym real quick?
2: Pardon? Problem solving solving leadership. So how do you actually adjust your environment? How do you observe, think about, and adjust your environment so that everybody can contribute creatively to solving the problems that you're facing? Um, I'm also doing some work with... um, Team coaching because team coaching is not individual coaching times n. It's actually a very different discipline, uh, and I'm really excited about that that workshop. Other than that, I'm out and about talking to people, working with companies, and enjoying summer in Duluth.
0: <laughs> very good, <laughs> Alan. How all about two you? Days.
2: Oh,
0: all two days. <laughs> the two days you're above freezing, and then it's back to uh, to winter coats, right? Oh, well, <laughs> very good, Alan. What are you up to, sir?
4: Um, I am working away on my agility class, which is going much slower than I wanted it to be to be going, but it is going. I I, uh, the, I kind of got bogged down in the first module, which is talking about the business case for doing agile. Because I find myself wanting to do an entire module that's talking about agile without actually using the word agile for all of the reasons that we have just been discussing, and that's been an interesting challenge. So the class is still progressing. Is that that's at Agilitree with an r dot com if you uh, if you want to check it out. And then I'm doing my usual training and coaching work, like I think all of us are doing. Is that I'm I'm. Uh, um, coaching companies getting better at agile is that the agility class, of course, started out as uh, as training. It started out as a as a two day class that I often do. Um, the other things I'm doing in the training world is the I'm I'm focusing a lot on agile architecture lately. Is that the notion that if the architecture of your system doesn't support working in an agile way, you can't really be agile because otherwise you're fighting the code so much that you can't do things fast enough. So I've been working a lot with agile architecture training and then uh, a lot of microservice stuff, which is sort of a, a subset of of agile architecture as far as I'm concerned. So I'll, I'll be doing a three-day class on uh, um, uh, microservices for the SDD Deep Dive Conference in, in London in a few months, for example. So, of course, I do all of that stuff in-house. If anybody wants to <laughs> hire me to come in-house and do some training for you, uh, give me a call. Great. We'll get links
0: to uh, everything that they bring up here uh, into the show notes so that we can check out uh, Esther's workshops and what Alan's up to with his workshops. Zach, what are you What are you up to?
3: So self-promotion is my least favorite thing, so um, I'll just say... All right, Tim,
0: how about you? To,
3: to, to the, <laughs> the four of you and listeners who will be out in Orlando Fragile 2017, if you want to meet up, chat, get together and just talk about you know work or just anything, I'd love to meet you and spend some time, so...
0: Get you touch. know, Zach, should we do some kind of Agile for Humans meetup at Agile 2017? Uh,
3: only if, only if uh, let's see, Tim is there, if Alan's there, Esther's there. Only if you're all there. I, I just want to be with you guys. <laughs> gonna, that sounds great. That sounds great. I'm going to be there. Let's do it.
0: I think we will have to figure something out. We will get something. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get it figured out and messages will go out uh, soon. So that'll be my, I'll, I'll own that action item. Tim, what do you have going so, on? Of course, uh, I continue to do workshops
1: and training uh, with Industrial Logic, my, my home. And uh, in addition to that, I will be at Agile 2017 in Orlando. I'm doing two talks. Uh, one is a solo on leading knowledge workers, which I think is a A crucial concept, Tom Davenport pulled up, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, Also, I'm with Ashley, we're doing one on permission, trust, and safety that I think is going to be a must-see. I'm also going to be appearing later at the Cincinnati Day of Agile, so your old alma mater, if you were to pop down, (laughs) Um, and that would be fine, too. Uh, Otherwise, I can still be contacted on Twitter and via tottinge, T-O-T-T-I-N-G-E, at industriologic.com.
0: Excellent. So I will get uh, links to Twitter, all those things in the show notes so that uh, the listeners can continue the conversation with, with all of you if they choose. Uh, as for me, your host, Ryan Ripley, what do I have going on? Well, I'm actually hanging out with Esther's friend and my good friend, Don Gray, uh, in South Africa next month. So Don, Oh, excellent. Yes. Yeah, so I, I am keynoting day two of Agile Africa, uh, along with Faye Thompson, and then I'm also presenting the No Estimates Movement uh, to our friends in Johannesburg. So that is a very exciting trip coming up that, uh, Don Fay and I are, are heading out on. Um, I will be at agile 2017. I have some more tech well appearances coming up. So I'll get all of that in the show notes. Uh, there'll be some interesting changes for the podcast as well. We're starting to put episodes out on YouTube. So sort if, of, uh, if, uh, you prefer to listen on YouTube or some other environments, we're going to get the podcast out there. No video, of course, just the audio, but, uh, just another platform to listen on and uh, a few interesting things in the mix coming up. So I'll try to, uh, as they come up, we'll get those uh, announced and out there. But uh, the more interesting things are agile Africa. That'll be a, I think a fun experience agile 2017. We'll try to get a meetup put together uh, and, and meet as many of you as possible. And then, you know, send in your questions and comments. What can we do for you? You know, the show's always inspecting, adapting, um, and trying to improve. So what can we do for all of you? Send your ideas and thoughts into uh, RyanRipley.com. There's plenty of ways to either email or leave a voicemail for me. Uh, happy to to listen and uh, hopefully make the improvements that are important to you. So with that said, uh, Alan, Tim, Zach, and Esther, thank you again so much for this conversation. Izzy, thank you for the snoring. This was excellent. <laughs> your dog is adorable, <laughs> Esther. Thank you so much for, for sharing. Um
2: But that's it for this
0: episode. Oh, don't be. This was fun. So that's it for this episode of Agile for Humans. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley, saying thank you for being here. Thank you for listening and have a great night. Thanks for listening to Agile for Humans. Let's keep the conversation going. Drop us a question on Twitter at Agile for Humans or visit agileforhumans.com.